I have renamed International Women's Day to International Women's Month. Uh, we started uh, earlier this month. Yesterday, some great conversations. Today, I am absolutely categorically honored to have Lady Justice Agnes Morgor in studio with me this morning uh, on uh, as we celebrate uh, the International Day of Women Judges. Uh, Lady Justice Agnes Morgor, welcome to Capital FM. Thank you so much, Fareed. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Uh, it's such a pleasure to be here this morning. Um, I'm here to talk about the International Women Judges Day. Um, I'm a judge of appeal and currently the president of the International Association of Women Judges, Kenya Chapter. And uh, this is an association that goes way, way back to the early 90s when we had um, very few women judges in the judiciary. So um, when the association was formed, we our, our judges and magistrates at the time were of the view that the uh, the judiciary needed an association that would be able to advocate for um, just the rights of women and children mm. and to bring that to, a f to the fore from a justice, an access to justice perspective. Mm -hmm. And um, we've been doing that ever since. Um, the International Women Judges Day was... Um, an initiative of the International Association of Women Judges. We have an international association based in uh, New York. And um, in 2021, they uh, lobbied very hard and uh, the United Nations General Assembly decided to devote the 10th of March every single year for um, international, uh, for, for women judges. Mm. And um, this, uh, this day is supposed to be celebrated by women judges all over the year, uh, all over the world. We have um, women judges uh, in uh, chapters uh, of the association, also in the different countries, just like we do here in Kenya. We have in Uganda, Tanzania, and basically all over the world. Mm -hmm. And um, some of what we do is, uh, like I was saying earlier, to advocate for the rights of women and children. Um, we have, uh, um, as far as our association here in Kenya is concerned, we have both an outward and inward looking perspective for the work we do as an association. Mm -hmm. um, our association comprises of about uh, 220 members countrywide. We have our members uh, based all over the country simply because we have courts all over the sure, country sure. and they are, you know, they are presiding in, in many of the courts. Um, so the association looks towards um, its outward perspective, which is um, advocating for the rights of women and children, like I say. So we mm. look at areas of sexual and gender-based <coughs> violence in order to create awareness, in order to see how best we can um, ensure that when they do come to court, that they are uh, treated well, 
they're not re-traumatized uh, because of the, the various uh, offenses that have been committed against them. We want to ensure that when they come to court, they're able to, to state their case without being harassed or without being intimidated. Intimidation, yeah. Many times you find the perpetrators will try and um, in, uh, intimidate them into dropping the cases or just frustrating the cases altogether so they have to keep coming to court time and again. Mm. So for many of them, they get fed up and they <coughs> say we're not going back to court. Right. Um, so that's among, and we'll be able to say a little bit more about sure. what we do from an outward and outreach perspective. But also we have an inward looking face where we try and mentor our own members, help them to grow in their leadership um, skills and help them to take up leadership positions. We also try and um, train them on new and happening areas of the law uh, so that they're able to be conversant with these issues as they're um, hearing and determining cases in their courts. So uh, one of the more recent areas that we've been uh, training members is in the area of human trafficking. That's a growing phenomenon that um, you know, is is very complicated, uh, an area where we we found it was important that members are trained because many times they would have, um, you know, victims in court, uh, persons who have been trafficked, um, and the case is treated like a um, immigration case, or it could be a labor case, but. In the end, actually, you have an individual who is in the court, has been trafficked into the country, and is here against their will. So we have those two perspectives mm -hmm. that we look at uh, as an association. C can I ask a question? And and maybe um, you can you can help me. We, yesterday, when we were talking about countries uh, such as Iran, uh, where the rights of women are really muted uh, based on old uh, patriarchal foundations and fundamentals um, and perhaps I know we are not where we should be when it comes to the rights of women I know that uh, the association uh, lady justices such as yourself do a lot of work to ensure that women are heard and they have a voice especially when it comes to to legal matters and in court um, but I do think from an outsider's perspective and a male perspective that Kenya has really uh, and probably, uh, you know, in large part to people like yourself, um, has really upped its game when it comes to uh, the rights and the voice of women. I'm not saying we're anywhere close to where we need to be. And when we are that, when we do get to that point, we won't have to have International Women's Day, right? Every day will be uh, the, the day that we can celebrate men and women in equal measure. But we do seem to be making strides in, 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 in the way women are, are um, treated, especially when it comes to legal matters in court, their voice, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Am I right when I say that, or am I completely off the mark as a man looking at, at the world from a male lens? You're absolutely right, Farid. We've made leaps and strides um, as women um, in the area of um, trying to, to advocate for the rights of women. We are, we are now many more than we've ever been before in very strategic places. Uh, we're taking up roles in leadership. We're, be, we're, we're now able to have a voice for those who do not have voices and cannot speak for themselves. But we can't say that it's across the board and that it's happening um, in every single faucet of our society. Uh, when you think about marginalized um, communities or those who are in poorer 
um, living areas or poorer communities, they still have to have um, advocates to help them, um, you know, uh, in, in, in the areas of voicing their the violations that are committed against them. And these things are going on. A lot of the times um, we don't even get to hear about it. And we don't get to hear about it because people just are not aware that they are required, that, that some of these things they're doing against uh, women and children are offenses. Um, when you go to the more marginalized areas, um, like you rightly say, they're still steeped in culture and uh, and and park, uh, patriarchal norms that don't allow them to think outside uh, what's going on within their communities. And as a result, uh, these areas, women remain in 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 situations where they continue to be violated. They continue to have their rights trampled on. And if it wasn't for associations like ours, like-minded associations like ours, um, some of these things will go on unabated and uh, we would end up with a very warped society mm. because, remember, a lot of these things do affect the psyche of people. And when they affect the psyche, they cannot grow up in, to be normal healthy human beings. But it becomes and a generational problem at this point, right? Because what happens to mom affects the children, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it continues then to be perpetuated. Right. Um, we were just, I was just saying a little bit earlier that uh, before we had a society where children uh, would grow up together, girls and boys, but the boys would go to school and the girls didn't. And the girls would remain at home. They would have to be collecting water and making the home conducive for their 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 male uh, um, uh, siblings and their you know their fathers and uncles and so on and so forth. But they themselves would never grow. They would never develop. And a society that doesn't um, think about development of the other half of the population is a society p uh, much poorer. For that half. And and also a society destined to be doomed, I would imagine, at, at that from that perspective as well. Um, now now we're talking about uh, women's representation, but also women are very well represented in our court systems as well here in Kenya. I know it as everything can be better, everything can be improved, um, but but it's very interesting to see that we have you know uh, a lot of ladies like yourself, a lot of lady justices as well. Um, and we're going to come back and talk about how Kenya fares. Uh, you said chapters of this uh, association across the world, how we fare with other more developed countries when it comes to the representation of women in the court system. It's 28 minutes to 8. If you have any questions for our guests this morning, by all means, get them in. 984 in the morning, hashtag drive in, or send us a WhatsApp straight to studio 0701-984-984. Um, uh, yesterday we had a, a, a lovely, two lovely ladies in studio with us, uh, a lady from BSD, another from uh, Ipsos Sinovit. And I said, and we've just said it now, actually, we need to get to a point where we don't have to have an International Women's Day, when every day is International Women's Day. Uh, in studio with me this morning, Lady Justice Agnes Morgor of the Court of Appeal, uh, who is also the chairperson of the International Association of Women's Judges, uh, Kenya chapter. And uh, it's wonderful again to have you in studio with, uh, with us this morning. Thank you so much for coming in. 
Um, we were talking uh, uh, previously about, uh, you mentioned that a lot of women don't see through cases in court uh, based on things like intimidation, harassment. Uh, is there, you know, is there any other reason why a woman would say, I mean, I can imagine, uh, and if I'm wrong, correct me, a woman is, you know, has a case or wants to put a case into court uh, against someone who's very powerful financially or very powerful politically. And they, the fear is always going to be, I mean, what's the point? I'm going to lose this case anyway. And I know our court system has in the past had a very bad, uh, the, the public perception has been quite negative. Um, what are some of the other reasons women wouldn't want to go to court with certain cases and that you've seen in your career? Thank you for that, that question, Farid. Um, when you think about a woman, she has <coughs> so many different uh, responsibilities about her. There's her children, there's her home, there's her family, her husband, her job. Um, and in the process, if a woman has a case in court, she has no time to focus on the case. She's got to focus on many of the other responsibilities that she has. And court processes are long. Court processes tend to be slow. Um, You find that uh, if you have to be sitting around in a court corridor or having to wait for a case to be called out and you've got other pressing issues that need your attention, which is the case for most women, if they don't have to be in court, then they just won't Mm. bother to file their cases and go to court. I remember asking um, somebody in the registry one day, what do you, when, when you think about women's cases versus men's cases when they file them. She said, he, the person said to me, well, men file their cases and they come to court to find out what's the next progression of their case and when is it next coming up for hearing and, and so on and so and so forth. For many women, they file their case and they will hope the process will happen without them having to keep coming back and check whether it's next going to be coming up for hearing or, you know, there's some, something has happened in their case because they just don't have the time to keep coming back to the to check what is happening. What is the status? Yeah. So you find that their case is <coughs> left behind. Um, there's not much progress in so far as its conclusion is concerned. And, and that's the reason why they just don't have the time to keep following through on things that um, they have no control over. Mm. So um, that's one of the other reasons uh, women don't tend to file cases. And then if the case involves, um, uh, um, you know, a, an embarrassing or a situation which will stigmatize them, they won't go, um, they will not want to amplify it. They won't want to carry it forward, which is why um, last year uh, in, in 2022, the first celebration of the International Day for Women Judges, um, we were very honored to have the Chief Justice Martha Korma <coughs> launch the uh, Sexual and Gender-Based Violence Court, the first of its kind in Kenya, in Shanzu Law Court in Mombasa. And what these courts are supposed to do is supposed to create an environment that is conducive for um, hearing of these cases in a way that doesn't degrade or um, humiliate. So um, a safe space to talk about things that are, are deeply personal for women, right? Absolutely. And deeply And deeply taboo and stigmatized and by stigmatize communities. stigmatize them and re-traumatize them because they're going through this ordeal 
over and over amazing. again. That's an amazing initiative. So this was an initiative by the International Association of Women Judges, the Kenya chapter. And when we asked the, the Chief Justice, um, this is something we really would like to have launched in Kenya because it will do good for women and children in especially in the area of uh, SGBV. Mm. And she said, why not? I think that's only common sense. And she launched the court Amazing. then. And we're looking forward to seeing a, a few more of the courts being rolled out uh, across the country. Of course, the judiciary is always cash strapped and resource uh, constrained. And so we have to do it in, 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 in its stride. But I think the conversation that's happening, and, and it probably is a great help to have a, a chief justice that is a, a woman as well, and an incredible woman at that. Well, uh, we had her in studio last year, and it was a great conversation and learning about who she is as well um, <clears throat> and you talk about this uh, SGBV um, uh, court in Shanzu uh, specifically uh, um, created to to focus on those issues of that issue um, th- I would assume it's mostly women or all women within that structure when women come to talk about their their their, their issues and their cases I would assume am I right when I say that so it's a safe space it's it's uh, it what it is is um, <coughs> sexual and gender-based violence is an offense mm-hmm. Um, under the Sexual and, and um, Sexual Offences Act, um, you have um, crimes against or or sexual offences against children. For example, uh, those are called defilements, and uh, children who are defiled they could be girls, they could be boys. Uh, they are the victims who would usually end up in an SGBV court or a court that has uh, a woman who has been raped, she would end up in that court Mm. or domestic violence Mm. uh, cases. Those are the kind that would end up um, in the sexual and gender-based violence court. Mm. So basically it's a court that has the infrastructure around ensuring that you you preserve the dignity of the person who has gone through uh, this ordeal. So you would have special prosecutors who know how to put the questions across um, to the witnesses. You would have doctors who would provide the evidence around what happened, um, the, gov- the government chemists. Um, you'd have uh, trauma. It, the court would have a trauma-informed perspective on how to handle those cases. We would also um, want to ensure that you know both the magistrates who are handling the cases and the victims of those cases have... Um, have get psychosocial support mm-hmm. because these are some of the things that we we need to ensure are in place to help the recovery process for many of these um, victims or su- or survivors. So so it's, it's a completely different setup than normal court setup, really. When it comes to the you've mentioned all these players that are going to be there, doctors, uh, I guess psychologists uh, and people, and also I guess when you're talking to kids, the, que- the the type of questions you ask has to be completely different than a question they would ask you or I. In fact, uh, today, even as we're dealing with those cases, um, a court has to be completely cleared. If you have uh, children, um, you know, survivors coming to testify, mm. so you have to clear the court. The magistrate will say, well. We all clear the court now. This is a special case that we're dealing with. And the case will proceed 
outside the public eye. Right. So this is what the um, now taking that scenario and putting it in a special court, a specialized court, an SGBV court would end up looking like. Mm-hmm. So that we're 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 separating the two issues where we we don't have your normal run of the mill cases going on at the same time as a case where you have um, you know a child who has been violated, uh, their case being heard. Right. Uh, that's, uh, that, that's, uh, that's a wonderful initiative, and I do hope that we see more and more popping up across the country as well, and I'm, I'm certain we will, um, and because we do forget that, that you know, <laughs> we think of court as a lawyer representing an adult. You know, that's kind of how we, if you put it in your mind, that's what you think about, but that is actually not always the case, and, and you guys have addressed that. Um, is that. Is that quite revolutionary for Africa to have a court that is, uh, that is dedicated to this? I wouldn't say it's revolutionary for for Africa, uh, Farid. We do have courts like this around the country. I think Zimbabwe, South Africa, and a few other um, countries will have it. But for us here in Kenya, it's a necessity. Right. It's these incidents are are becoming far too common. We're having more and more of them um, coming out, and and many more cases being uh, filed in court. Um, during the the COVID nineteen pandemic, um, these cases continued to be reported, and the numbers were just um, extremely horrific. So um, it's something that we see will become the more of the courts that we can have. Perhaps it will be a deterrent against those who continue to perpetuate those absolutely, crimes. Absolutely, absolutely. Because the more of them that you have and the people understand that you will end up in that court will play in their minds that, okay, this is a crime, I could end up in this court, I better don't do it. I don't want to do I, that. I yeah. better don't go this way. Now, I, I've met a couple of uh, uh, lady justices over the course of the last uh, f- uh, year or so, uh, and I know we're going to talk about, we have quite a few in, in different tiers of, of the, or diff- women represented in different tiers of the court system, but you all seem so nice and uh, easy to talk to, you know, in the radio studio. I'm wondering what it's like if we had to face you in, in a different environment altogether, uh, but that's not a question for now. Um, we do have a lot of women representation in this country. We've seen it grow tremendously, I don't know, in the last, what, two decades, I would imagine? Mm-hmm. Two decades. Um, it's it's so important, and we seem to be making strides. Uh, in the middle tier and then in the top tier, how are women represented represented when it comes to the court system and, and, and in the legal framework? Oh, that's a great question, uh, Fareed. When we think about where we started from, um, we only had one woman magistrate in the courts in the in the early 90s. And um, this was uh, Lady Justice Effie O'War, and she was the only woman magistrate in the courts. Um, so you can imagine being in a court or in a whole infrastructure uh, where you're the only woman. Today we have um, 292 women magistrates. What? And we have, this is the, 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 the clincher, uh, 240 male magistrates. So the balance has tipped. Wow. We have more women magistrates today than we do of the of the male magistrates. So that's already an indicator of where we are today. As we climb up the hierarchy of the courts, we have the um, high court, uh, where we have, of course, the, the um, both women and, and male uh, judges. Um, the number of women judges is less than uh, for the male judges. 
And um, it seems to be that way as you get higher up into to the hierarchy of things. Uh, in my court, which is the Court of Appeal, um, we were we were just about at par um, about uh, a year or so ago. But now um, we have more male uh, judges in the Court of Appeal than we do have uh, of women. The Supreme Court uh, has reached uh, a little over the uh, one-third requirement um, under the Constitution, but uh, the clincher again is that we have a um, woman Chief Justice, uh, Martha Kome. We also have a woman Deputy Chief Justice, um, Lady Justice Philomena Mwilu, and um, the other good part is, uh, within the judiciary, our chief registrar, um, Honorable Anna Madi, is also a woman. Mm. So when we look at the way the judiciary, ha- where the judiciary has come from and where we are today, we're certainly in a hugely um, better place than, than we've been. And one more thing. We um, two years ago, we undertook uh, an audit, a gender audit uh, of the judiciary, courtesy of um, IDLO and uh, the the National Commission for Gender for Gender here in Kenya. And um, we were able to come up with all of those issues in the judiciary where we find that there there was inequality between um, women and men. And what came out of this policy, what came out of this audit was that uh, the judiciary then um, implemented a gender policy, which is all about mainstreaming of gender in all areas of the judiciary. So whether it's in human resource or in finance, making sure that, uh, you know, women's issues are financed equally to those of the general judiciary, whether it's around ensuring that women have a a way, especially the younger magistrates, they're able to have facilities to accommodate children because they're at um, an age where they're now building up their families, that that all is taken into account from a human resource perspective. Um, and various other uh, other things as well. Mm. Uh, that that is going to really change the way in which we do business in the judiciary, right. and it's going to change the way in which women are able to function and ha- able to function more optimally because of just having all these different issues taken into account. Absolutely. And of course, you know, a a man uh, facing a judge versus a woman facing a judge are two very different propositions anyway, right? There's so much so much difference between the two. Uh, You know, I can pick up from work at nine and go and and stand and sit in court Uh, for a woman. There's so many other variables as well that that would come into play. In fact, uh, when we look at the reason why the International Association, that's the body of uh, based in the in New York, thought it was important for uh, to have a women judges association is because um, women bring another perspective to judging. Uh, it's not just your run of the mill um, look at the law and 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 apply it, uh, you know, in the way that you would apply it as a man. Because a woman would apply it from a very different perspective. But not that the law has changed. We're both applying the law, but looking at it from different perspectives. And that's vitally important as well. You know, it's vitally important for that. Um, uh, maybe just a, a final question for you, uh, Lady Justice. In 
you know, we've seen all these great strides in Kenya when it comes to you know, when it comes to uh, uh, growth of, of women's representation within the court system. We've seen a lot happening in terms of the transparency of the court system generally, uh, which was something that we always feared. And if you passed, you know, any kind of court bill, government court building, you're always like, I don't want to ever be in there. But now, you know, it's a more welcoming, more open armed institution. What would be the, you know, maybe for you and then uh, from a wider perspective for the association, what would be the, the dream uh, in three to five years to see when it comes to, to the court system here in Kenya from, from a general perspective, not necessarily just women representation, but from a general perspective? So the, the, what the, the biggest issues that we face currently in the judiciary is where we are, justice is too slow. It's not moving at the pace that it should. Um, I remember, you know, in the not too distant past, most uh, people would say to you, we'll see you in court. And the reason why they would say that is because they knew the cases would take so long that they would be able to have time to, you know, play with other people's money if it was um, a debt that you owed or you just had time to to. to or, or latitude before a final ultimate decision would be made if you had maybe committed, um, you know, a wrong against your neighbor, perhaps. But to, today we're at the point where we are wanting to expedite justice to make sure that we can deal with cases and, and dispose of them in a year. Uh, we have a performance management in the system in the judiciary right now uh, that was initiated five years ago. And um, within that, a backlog, a case becomes a backlog after one year. If we can dispose of the cases in two years so that we are expediting justice, uh, that for me would be the, the, the optimal because then we won't have cases sitting in court for years and years. I remember when we were doing an audit of some of the um, the files that were sitting in court just after the 2010 constitution uh, was promulgated, just so that we could now start to overhaul mm. our data collection of uh, of cases and and actually establish what was the the number of filed cases in the court. We found that one of the oldest cases in the court was dating back to um, 1939. Oh, my goodness. So you can imagine, <clears throat> where are the parties? Where are the advocates? What, you know, how do we even begin to, to, to bring this case to conclusion? Because it was dating so far back, I think nobody even remembered that a file like that existed. So these are the sort of things that you want to ensure that we don't have to do ever again. Yes. That and by and large, tr putting trust back into the, or maybe not back into, putting trust into uh, the judicial system. and the Sustaining it. Yeah. Sustaining because the trust because um, the, confident, uh, the confidence level after a survey of the, of the judiciary was at I think 62%. Okay. We want to continue to maintain yeah. that. But that's not that bad, really. 62% is not terrible. It's not, it's not bad. But it should be in the 90s, we, I we, imagine. Yeah. We would, we're, we're building the number, <coughs> and um, we're hoping that as for as long as uh, uh, the perception that, you know, there's a corruption going on in the judiciary or that my case is not being resolved because someone wants to sit on my justice, um, we're hoping that that can can now continue to become a thing of the past. Absolutely. So it's a place we don't have to go back to again. 
where, you know, we have an opaque judiciary. Nobody really knows what's happening to my matter Absolutely. in court. Well, listen, I know time flew by. <laughs> I say, Absolutely is it 8 o'clock already? It is. Listen, it's been wonderful uh, having you here. I know I'm going to see you again here at Capital FM, uh, Lady Justice Agnes Morgor. It's been I an absolute pleasure. I look forward to that. I know we've got a lot more to talk about. So next time we will we'll start on, on something else. But really, truly, what a pleasure it is to have you uh, here with us. And Ladies Happy International Women's Month, as we're calling it. Uh, and again, uh, welcome back anytime. Thank you. Thank you, Fareed. And do make sure that you celebrate International Women Days with uh, International Women Judges Day with the women judges and magistrates of Kenya. 100%. Thank you. 98.4 Capital FM. I have renamed International Women's Day to International Women's Month. Uh, we started uh, earlier this month. Yesterday, some great conversations. Today, I am absolutely categorically honored to have Lady Justice Agnes Morgor in studio with me this morning uh, on uh, as we celebrate uh, the International Day of Women Judges. Uh, Lady Justice Agnes Morgor, welcome to Capital FM. Thank you so much, Fareed. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Uh, it's such a pleasure to be here this morning. Um, I'm here to talk about the International Women Judges Day. Um, I'm a judge of appeal and currently the president of the International Association of Women Judges, Kenya Chapter. And uh, this is an association that goes way, way back to the early 90s when we had um, very few women judges in the judiciary. So um, when the association was formed, we our, our judges and magistrates at the time were of the view that the uh, the judiciary needed associate an association that would be able to advocate for um, just the rights of women and children mm. and to bring that to a f to the fore from a justice and access to justice perspective. Mm -hmm. And um, we've been doing that ever since. Um, the International Women Judges Day was... Um, an initiative of the International Association of Women Judges. We have an international association based in uh, New York. And um, in 2021, they uh, lobbied very hard and uh, the United Nations General Assembly decided to devote the 10th of March every single year for um, international, uh, for, for women judges. Mm. And um, this uh, this day is supposed to be celebrated by women judges all over the year, uh, all over the world. We have um, women judges uh, in uh, chapters uh, of the association, also in the different countries, just like we do here in Kenya. We have in Uganda, Tanzania, and basically all over the world. Mm -hmm. And um, some of what we do is, uh, like I was saying earlier, to advocate for the rights of women and children. Um, we have, um, as far as our association here in Kenya is concerned, we have both an outward and inward looking perspective for the work we do as an association. Mm -hmm. um, our association comprises of about uh, 220 members countrywide. We have our members uh, based all over the country simply because we have courts all over the sure, country sure. and they are you know they are presiding in in many of the courts um, so the association looks towards um, 
its outward perspective, which is um, advocating for the rights of women and children, like I say. So we mm. look at areas of sexual and gender-based <coughs> violence in order to create awareness, in order to see how best we can um, ensure that when they do come to court, that they are uh, treated well, they're not re-traumatized re uh, because of the, the various uh, offenses that have been committed against them. We want to ensure that when they come to court, they're able to, to state their case without being harassed or without being intimidated. Intimidation, yeah. Many times you find the perpetrators will try and um, in, uh, intimidate them into dropping the cases or just frustrating the cases altogether so they have to keep coming to court time and again. Mm. So for many of them, they get fed up and they <coughs> say we're not going back to court. Right. Um, so that's among, and we'll be able to say a little bit more about sure. what we do from an outward and outreach perspective. But also we have an inward looking face where we try and mentor our own members, help them to grow in their leadership, um, skills and help them to take up leadership positions. We also try and um, train them on new and happening areas of the law uh, so that they're able to be conversant with these issues as they're um, hearing and determining cases in their courts. So uh, one of the more recent areas that we've been uh, training members is in the area of human trafficking. That's a growing phenomenon that um, you know, is is very complicated, uh, an area where we we found it was important that members are trained because many times they would have, um, you know, victims in court, uh, persons who have been trafficked, um, and the case is treated like a um, immigration case, or it could be a labor case, but. In the end, actually, you have an individual who is in the court, has been trafficked into the country, and is here against their will. So we have those two perspectives mm -hmm. that we look at uh, as an association. C can I ask a question? And and maybe um, you can you can help me. We, yesterday, when we were talking about countries uh, such as Iran, uh, where the rights of women are really muted uh, based on old uh, patriarchal foundations and fundamentals um, and perhaps I know we are not where we should be when it comes to the rights of women I know that uh, the association uh, lady justices such as yourself do a lot of work to ensure that women are heard and they have a voice especially when it comes to to legal matters and in court um, but I do think from an outsider's perspective and a male perspective that Kenya has really uh, and probably, uh, you know, in large part to people like yourself, um, has really upped its game when it comes to uh, the rights and the voice of women. I'm not saying we're anywhere close to where we need to be. And when we are that, when we do get to that point, we won't have to have International Women's Day, right? Every day will be uh, the, the day that we can celebrate men and women in equal measure. But we do seem to be making strides in in, in, in the way women are, are um, treated, especially when it comes to legal matters in court, their voice, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Am I right when I say that, or am I completely off the mark as a man looking at, at the world from a male lens? You're absolutely right, Farid. We've made leaps and strides um, as women um, in the area of um, trying to, to advocate for the rights of women. 
we have we are now many more than we've ever been before in very strategic places uh we're taking up roles in leadership where be where we're now able to have a voice for those who do not have voices and cannot speak for themselves but we can't say that it's across the board and that it's happening um in every single facet of our society uh when you think about marginalized um communities or those who are in poorer um living areas or poorer communities they still have to have um advocates to help them um you know uh, in 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 the areas of voicing their the violations that are committed against them and these things are going on a lot of the times um we don't even get to hear about it and we don't get to hear about it because people just are not aware that they are required that that some of these things they're doing against uh, women and children are offenses um when you go to the more marginalized areas um like you rightly say they're still steeped in culture and uh, and and park uh, patriarchal norms that don't allow them to think outside uh, what's going on within their communities and as a result uh, these areas women remain in 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 situations where they continue to be violated they continue to have their rights trampled on and if it wasn't for associations like ours like-minded associations like ours um some of these things will go on unabated and uh we would end up with a very warped society mm. because remember a lot of these things do affect the psyche of people and when they affect the psyche they cannot grow up in to be normal healthy human beings but well, it becomes and a generational problem at this point right because what happens to mom affects the children etc etc and and it continues then to be perpetuated right um we were just i was just saying a little bit earlier that uh before we had a society where children uh would grow up together girls and boys but the boys would go to school and the girls didn't and the girls would remain at home they would have to be collecting water and making the home conducive for their 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 male uh, um uh, siblings and their you know their fathers and uncles and so on and so forth but they themselves would never grow they would never develop and a society that doesn't um think about development of the other half of the population is a society p- uh, much poorer for that half and and also a society destined to be doomed i would imagine at at that from that perspective as well um now now we're talking about uh women's representation but also women are very well represented in our court systems as well here in kenya i know it as everything can be better everything can be improved um but but it's very interesting to see that we have you know uh, a lot of ladies like yourself a lot of lady justices as well um and we're going to come back and talk about how kenya fares uh, you said chapters of this uh, uh, association across the world how we fare with other more developed countries when it comes to the representation of women in the court system it's 28 minutes to 8 if you have any questions for our guests this morning by all means get them in 984 in the morning hashtag drive in or send us a whatsapp straight to studio 0701-984-984 98.4 capital fm
Um, uh, yesterday we had a, a, a lovely, two lovely ladies in studio with us, uh, a lady from BSD, another from uh, Ipsos Cinevet. And I said, and we've just said it now, actually, we need to get to a point where we don't have to have an International Women's Day, when every day is International Women's Day. Uh, in studio with me this morning, Lady Justice Agnes Morgor of the Court of Appeal, uh, who is also the chairperson of the International Association of Women's Judges, uh, Kenya chapter. And uh, it's wonderful again to have you in studio with, uh, with us this morning. Thank you so much for coming in. Um, we were talking uh, previously about, uh, you mentioned that a lot of women don't see through cases in court uh, based on things like intimidation, harassment. Uh, is there, you know, is there any other reason why a woman would say, I mean, I can imagine, uh, and if I'm wrong, correct me, a woman is, you know, has a case or wants to put a case into court. Uh, against someone who's very powerful financially or very powerful politically and they the fear is always going to be I mean what's the point I'm going to lose this case anyway and I know our court system has in the past had a very bad uh, the, the public perception has been quite negative um, what are some of the other reasons women wouldn't want to go to court with certain cases and that you've seen in your career thank you for that that question Farid um, when you think about a woman she has <coughs> so many different uh, responsibilities about her. There's her children, there's her home, there's her family, her husband, her job. Um, And in the process, if a woman has a case in court, she has no time to focus on the case. She's got to focus on many of the other responsibilities that she has. And court processes are long. Court processes tend to be slow. Um, you find that uh, if you have to be sitting around in a court corridor or having to wait for a case to be called out and you've got other pressing issues that need your attention, which is the case for most women, they if they don't have to be in court, then they just won't mm. bother to file their cases and go to court. I remember asking um, somebody in the registry one day, what do you, when, when you think about women's cases versus men's cases when they filed them. She said, he, the person said to me, well, men file their cases and they come to court to find out what's the next progression of their case and when is it next coming up for hearing and, and so on and so and so forth. For many women, they file their case and they will hope the process will happen without them having to keep coming back and check whether it's next going to be coming up for hearing or, you know, there's some, something has happened in their case because they just don't have the time to keep coming back to the to check what is happening. What is the status? Yeah. So you find that their case is <coughs> left behind. Um, there's not much progress in so far as its conclusion is concerned. And, and that's the reason why they just don't have the time to keep following through on things that um, they have no control over. Mm. So um, that's one of the other reasons uh, women don't tend to file cases. And then if the case involves, um, uh, um, you know, a, an embarrassing or a situation which will stigmatize them, they won't go, um, they will not want to amplify it. They won't want to carry it forward, which is why um, last year uh, in in 2022, the first celebration of the International Day for Women Judges, um, we were very honored to have the Chief Justice Martha Cuomo <coughs> launch the uh, Sexual and Gender-Based Violence Court, the first of its kind in Kenya, in Shanzu Law Court in Mombasa. 
And what these courts are supposed to do is supposed to create an environment that is conducive for um, hearing of these cases in a way that doesn't degrade or um, humiliate. So um, a safe space to talk about things that are, are deeply personal for women, right? Absolutely. And deeply, and deeply taboo and stigmatized and by communities. stigmatize them and re-traumatize them because they're going through this ordeal over and over amazing. again. That's an amazing initiative. So this was an initiative by the International Association of Women Judges, the Kenya chapter. And when we asked the, ch- the Chief Justice, um, this is something we really would like to have launched in Kenya because it will do good for women and children, in especially in the area of uh, SGBV. Mm. And she said, why not? I think that's only common sense. And she launched the court then. And we're looking forward to seeing a a few more of the courts being rolled out uh, across the country. Of course, the judiciary is always cash strapped and resource uh, constrained. And so we have to do it in in its stride. But I think the conversation that's happening, and and it probably is a great help to have a a chief justice that is a a woman as well, and an incredible woman at that. uh, We had her in studio last year, and it was a great conversation and learning about who she is as well um, <clears throat> and you talk about this uh, SGBV um, uh, court in Shanzu uh, specifically uh, um, created to to focus on those issues of that issue um, th- I would assume it's mostly women or all women within that structure when women come to talk about their their their, their issues in their cases I would assume am I right when I say that so it's a safe space it, it's uh, it what it is is um, <coughs> sexual and gender-based violence is an offense mm-hmm. Um, under the Sexual and, and um, Sexual Offences Act, um, you have um, crimes against or or sexual offences against children. For example, uh, those are called defilements, and uh, children who are defiled they could be girls, they could be boys. Uh, they are the victims who would usually end up in an SGBV court or a court that has uh, a woman who has been raped, she would end up in that court Mm. or domestic violence Mm. uh, cases. Those are the kind that would end up um, in the sexual and gender-based violence court. Mm. So basically it's a court that has the infrastructure around ensuring that you you preserve the dignity of the person who has gone through uh, this ordeal. So you would have special prosecutors who know how to put the questions across um, to the witnesses. You would have doctors who would provide the evidence around what happened, um, the the government chemists. Um, You'd have uh, trauma. The court would have a trauma-informed perspective on how to handle those cases. We would also... um, want to ensure that, you know, both the magistrates who are handling the cases and the victims of those cases have um, have get psychosocial support mm-hmm. because these are some of the things that we, we need to ensure are in place to help the recovery process for many of these um, victims or, or survivors. So, so it's, it's a completely different setup than normal court set up really when it comes to the you've mentioned all these players that are going to be their doctors uh, I guess psychologists uh, and people and also I guess when you're talking to kids the, the the type of questions you ask has to be completely different than a question they would ask you or I in fact uh, today even as we're dealing with those cases um, a court has to be completely cleared if you have uh, children 
um, you know, survivors coming to testify. Mm. So you have to clear the court. The magistrate will say, well, we all clear the court now. This is a special case that we're dealing with. And the case will proceed outside the public eye. So this is what the um, now taking that scenario and putting it in a special court, a specialized court, an SGBV court would end up looking like. Mm -hmm. So that we're 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 separating the two issues where we we don't have your normal run of the mill cases going on at the same time as a case where you have, um, you know, a a child who has been violated, uh, their case being heard. Right. Uh, that's, uh, that, that's, uh, that's a wonderful initiative, and I do hope that we see more and more popping up across the country as well, and I'm, I'm certain we will, um, and because we do forget that, that you know, <laughs> we think of court as a lawyer representing an adult. You know, that's kind of how we, if you put it in your mind, that's what you think about, but that is actually not always the case, and, and you guys have addressed that. Um, is that. Is that quite revolutionary for Africa to have a court that is, uh, that is dedicated to this? I wouldn't say it's revolutionary for for Africa, uh, Farid. We do have courts like this around the country. I think Zimbabwe, South Africa, and a few other um, countries will have it. But for us here in Kenya, it's a necessity. Right. It's these incidents are are becoming far too common. We're having more and more of them um, coming out, and and many more cases being uh, filed in court. Um, during the the COVID nineteen pandemic, um, these cases continued to be reported, and the numbers were just um, extremely horrific. So um, it's something that we see will become the more of the courts that we can have. Perhaps it will be a deterrent against those who continue to perpetuate those absolutely, crimes. Absolutely. Because the more of them that you have and the people understand that you will end up in that court will play in their minds that, okay, this is a crime. I could end up in this court. I better don't do it. I don't want to do I, that. I yeah. better don't go this way. Now, I, I've met a couple of uh, uh, lady justices over the course of the last uh, uh, year or so. Uh, and I know we're going to talk about, we have quite a few in, in different tiers of, of the, or diff- women represented in different tiers of the court system. But you all seem so nice and uh, easy to talk to, you know, in the radio studio. I'm wondering what it's like if we had to face you in, in a different environment altogether. Uh, but that's not a question for now. Um, we do have a lot of women representation in this country. We've seen it grow tremendously, I don't know, in the last, what, two decades, I would imagine? Mm-hmm. Two decades. Um, it's it's so important, and we seem to be making strides. Uh, in the middle tier and then in the top tier, how are women represented represented when it comes to the court system and, and, and in the legal framework? Oh, that's a great question, uh, Fareed. When we think about where we started from, um, we only had one woman magistrate in the courts in the in the early 90s. And um, this was uh, Lady Justice Effie O'War, and she was the only woman magistrate in the courts. Um, so you can imagine being in a court or in a whole infrastructure uh, where you're the only woman. Today we have um, 292 women magistrates. What? And we have, this is the, 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 the clincher, uh, 240 male magistrates. So the balance has tipped. Wow. We have more women magistrates today than we do of the of the male magistrates. So that's already an indicator of where we are today. As we climb up the hierarchy of the courts, we have the um, high court, 
uh, where we have, of course, the, the um, both women and, and male uh, judges. Um, the number of women judges is less than uh, for the male judges. And um, it seems to be that way as you get higher up into to the hierarchy of things. Uh, in my court, which is the Court of Appeal, um, we were we were just about at par um, about uh, a year or so ago. But now um, we have more male uh, judges in the Court of Appeal than we do have uh, of women. The Supreme Court uh, has reached uh, a little over the uh, one-third requirement um, under the Constitution, but uh, the clincher again is that we have a um, woman Chief Justice, uh, Martha Kome. We also have a woman Deputy Chief Justice, um, Lady Justice Philomena Mwilu, and um, the other good part is, uh, within the judiciary, our chief registrar, um, Honorable Anna Madi, is also a woman. Mm. So when we look at the way the judiciary, ha- where the judiciary has come from and where we are today, we're certainly in a hugely um, better place than, than we've been. And one more thing, we um, two years ago, we undertook uh, an audit, a gender audit uh, of the judiciary, courtesy of um, IDLO and uh, the, the National Commission for Gender, for Gender here in Kenya. And um, we were able to come up with all of those issues in the judiciary where we find that there we, there was inequality between um, women and men. And what came out of this policy, what, what came out of this audit was that uh, the judiciary then um, implemented a gender policy, which is all about mainstreaming of gender in all areas of the judiciary. So whether it's in human resource or in finance, making sure that, uh, you know, women's issues are financed equally to those of the general judiciary, whether it's around ensuring that women have a, a way, in, especially the younger magistrates, they're able to have facilities to accommodate children because they're at um, an age where they're now building up their families, that that all is taken into account from a human resource perspective. Um, and various other uh, other things as well. Mm. Uh, that that is going to really change the way in which we do business in the judiciary, right. and it's going to change the way in which women are able to function and ha- able to function more optimally because of just having all these different issues taken into account. Absolutely. And of course, you know, a a man uh, facing a judge versus a woman facing a judge are two very different propositions anyway, right? There's so much, so much difference between the two. Uh, You know, I can pick up from work at nine and go and and stand and sit in court. Uh, For a woman, there's so many other variables as well. That that would come into play. In fact, uh, when we look at the reason why the International Association, that's the body of uh, based in the in New York, thought it was important for uh, to have a women judges association is because um, women bring another perspective to judging. Uh, it's not just your run of the mill um, look at the law and 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 apply it, uh, you know, in the way that you would apply it as a man, because a woman would apply it from a very different perspective. But not that the law has changed. We're both applying the law, 
but looking at it from different perspectives. And that's vitally important as well, you know, it's vitally important for that. Um, uh, maybe just a, a final question for you, uh, Lady Justice, in you know, we've seen all these great strides in Kenya when it comes to you know, when it comes to uh, uh, growth of, of women's representation within the court system. We've seen a lot happening in terms of the transparency of the court system generally, uh, which was something that we always feared. And if you passed, you know, any kind of court bill, government court building, you're always like, I don't want to ever be in there. But now, you know, it's a more welcoming, more open armed institution. What would be the, you know, maybe for you and then uh, from a wider perspective for the association, what would be the, the dream uh, in three to five years to see when it comes to, to the court system here in Kenya from, from a general perspective, not necessarily just women representation, but from a general perspective? So the, the, what the, the biggest issues that we face currently in the judiciary is where we are, justice is too slow. It's not moving at the pace that it should. Um, I remember, you know, in the not too distant past, most uh, people would say to you, we'll see you in court. And the reason why they would say that is because they knew the cases would take so long that they would be able to have time to, you know, play with other people's money if it was um, a debt that you owed or you just had time to to. to or, or latitude before a final ultimate decision would be made if you had maybe committed, um, you know, a wrong against your neighbor, perhaps. But to, today we're at the point where we are wanting to expedite justice, to make sure that we can deal with cases and, and dispose of them in a year. Uh, we have a performance management in the system in the judiciary right now uh, that was initiated five years ago. And um, within that, a backlog, a case becomes a backlog after one year. If we can dispose of the cases in two years so that we are expediting justice, uh, that for me would be the, the, the optimal because then we won't have cases sitting in court for years and years. I remember when we were doing an audit of some of the um, the files that were sitting in court just after the 2010 constitution uh, was promulgated, just so that we could now start to overhaul mm. our data collection of uh, of cases and and actually establish what was the the number of filed cases in the court. We found that one of the oldest cases in the court was dating back to um, 1939. Oh, my goodness. So you can imagine, <clears throat> where are the parties? Where are the advocates? What, you know, how do we even begin to, to, to bring this case to conclusion? Because it was dating so far back, I think nobody even remembered that a file like that existed. So these are the sort of things that you want to ensure that we don't have to do ever again. Yes, that and by and large, putting trust back into the, or maybe not back into, putting trust into uh, the judicial system. and the, Sustaining it. Yeah, Sustaining because the trust because um, the, confident, uh, the confidence level after a survey of the, of the judiciary was at I think 62%. Okay. We want to continue to maintain yeah, that. But that's not that bad, really. It's, 62% is not terrible. It's not, it's not bad. But it should be in the 90s, we, I we, imagine. Yeah. We would, we're, we're building the number, <coughs> and um, we're hoping that as for as long as uh, uh, the perception that you know there's a corruption going on in the judiciary or that my case is not being resolved because someone wants to sit on my justice, um, we're hoping that that can can now 
continue to become a thing of the past. Absolutely. So it's a place we don't have to go back to again, where you know we have an opaque judiciary. Nobody really knows what's happening to my matter Absolutely. in court. Well, listen, I know time flew by. <laughs> I see you looking at it. Is it eight o'clock already? It is. Listen, it's been wonderful uh, having you here. I know I'm going to see you again here at Capital FM, uh, Lady Justice Agnes Morgor. It's been I an absolute pleasure. I look forward to that. I know we've got a lot more to talk about. So next time we will we'll start on, on something else. But really, truly, what a pleasure it is to have you uh, here with us. And Ladies Happy International Women's Month, as we're calling it. Uh, and again, uh, welcome back anytime. Thank you. Thank you, Fareed. And do make sure that you celebrate International Women Days with uh, International Women Judges Day with the women judges and magistrates of Kenya. 100%. Thank you. 98.9 98.9